everyone, it's Monday, October 19th, 2020, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Isaac, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Today's episode is just going to be a car whatever type thing. Uh, I've had some stuff kind of kicking around in my head after reading a story uh, published yesterday uh, on the website uh, Teslarati, which among, you know, car folks, Teslarati is a bit of a punching bag sometimes with some things. But uh, this guy, uh, Simon Alvarez, he wrote an article, very long titled article called Tesla's Sexy Instant Cringe Range Updates Show How Ridiculously Far the Legacy Auto Has Fallen in the EV Race. Now, reading through things on Teslarati, obviously you need to take it uh, with not just a grain of salt, you need a whole salt mine. Uh, they lean pretty deeply into uh, the pro Tesla. Uh, discussions of, you know, battery technology, software, um, vehicle manufacturing, so on and so forth. And in my opinion, I think, you know, it's definitely one of the websites that's meant to kind of continually at least maintain pressure, if not inflate Tesla stock prices, uh, and, you know, be that kind of smug, self-serving kind of attitude, uh, about, you know, Tesla ownership. But, uh, Basically, what this thing boils down to is is uh, Simon is arguing that legacy automakers, those are car companies that uh, have been around for a long time, the car companies that build gasoline engine vehicles, uh, will never catch up to Tesla because the target is always moving, and every time they think they've got them, Tesla takes one step further. And... I I have to say that that is the biggest crock of shit I think I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Tesla, I think, you know, they're a company I rag on a lot on this podcast. I rag on them a lot on my Twitter feed. The truth of the matter is Tesla makes a great lineup of cars. I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to doubt that the Tesla Model 3 uh, is a very good car. Uh, the Tesla Model S, the Y, any of them really are very great vehicles. Uh, but there's a lot of caveats that come with being a Tesla owner. And the big thing is that you are essentially a beta tester for every new feature that comes down the line. And by that, I mean Tesla doesn't exactly send out vehicles that are fully baked by the time they hit the street. Uh, Tesla is trying to play the stock market and continue to inflate their market value. They're trying to take deposits from potential owners to uh, have enough money to keep the lights on and keep things moving. Um, it's, it's an innovative approach in how to work an automobile company because it is the antithesis of everything that legacy automakers have been over the past, what, 130 years, give or take. Uh, so it's not exactly a surprise that, you know, being different grabs attention. Uh, but being different also shouldn't come at a cost of what you'd expect uh, typical ownership things to be. And by that I mean, 
you know, you're, you're buying a Tesla. The cheapest Tesla you can buy is what, 30, we'll just call it $37,000. Uh, that's the Model 3. It's got like 250, a little bit less than that, miles of electric range. Um, you know, you're paying a pretty good chunk of change. That's the average transaction price for a new car here in the United States. And these things are rolling off the line very quickly. You know, uh, Tesla has done a really good job of ramping up demand for these cars, not just in the United States, but all around the world. Uh, it is a car that has really blown by a lot of people's expectations, not only for the fact that it is an electric car, but also that it is a still relatively new manufacturer. Uh, keep in mind that Tesla really has only been building cars for about a decade now. Um, really, they've only been taking things seriously as a car company uh, for the last seven years. And now they're outselling BMW in this class. They're outselling uh, a lot of car companies that have been around for a very long time. But you see all of the horror stories about what Tesla ownership looks like. You read about it in Consumer Reports. You hear about it from J.D. Power and Associates. You hear it from all the different car magazines. And, of course, every Tesla fanboy, Tesla Roddy, all these different things treated as this, uh, this attack on them personally, this, this prevention of Tesla being considered as a real car company. When the simple truth of the matter is if you're paying $35,000 plus, hell, let's just say you got a Model S or a Model X, north of $60,000 for a car, you know, you might want to expect that the windows aren't going to shatter uh, just sitting in the garage. You might want to expect that panel gaps on the doors, on the lift gate, on the frunk aren't wide enough to fit a, the newest issue of Car and Driver between. Uh, you might want to just fathom a guess and say that, uh, you know, the car is going to work. It's not going to have these fatal issues that just suddenly happen out of nowhere uh, like Car and Driver had with their Model 3. Um, these unfinished vehicles that are rolling out on the street are, you know, it, it, you can go for the safety aspect and say that it's not safe because if a car fails, you know, it can strand you somewhere. It, it can fail on the highway and be a danger to others. Obviously we've seen the large number of issues with autopilot as a system and people abusing it, uh, because it is not self-driving in any way, shape or form. Uh, but it's also, you know, just insane to me that people justify this kind of experience just because they have a Tesla. And I really can't wrap my head around it. So the reason why I wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit is uh, because I had an exchange with a friend of mine today on Twitter uh, in reference to build quality and whether it really, truly, actually means anything. And, you know, he was saying that he hears from people all the time online that, you know, Tesla's panel gaps are inexcusable. It makes no sense how bad it is. And he's like, well, does it really make that much of a difference in your actual ownership experience? And, you know, my answer was no, not really. But, you know, when you consider that it took GM the better part of 40 years to get out of the funk that they were in in the late 70s to fix their panel gap issues... All while Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, uh, Volkswagen, even to a greater extent, uh, all began to supersede them in terms of actual build quality and refinement that has 
a very specific impact on the relationship that you as a company have with your buyer. Because, you know, you can joke about how, you know, hope you didn't get a car built on Friday or Monday uh, because either the people were slacking off going into the weekend or they had a terrible hangover at the start of the day on Monday. And you'd see GM cars with just hoods not aligned anywhere close to correct. Uh, paint colors were off on each panel. Uh, whole interior pieces sagging, falling apart. Um, you know, it, it's it's not to say that uh, these cars were anywhere close to passing muster uh, at that point in time. And even today, it's hilarious to even consider, but like, you know, Toyota was revolutionary in their approach to auto manufacturing and whether it was the tiniest window switch, uh, the ignition coil, the radio head unit, the wheel and tire combination, the door seal, I mean, anything. They changed the way people thought about the relationship with purchasing a new car and it drove a new standard when it came to you know NVH and overall satisfaction with the vehicle that's sitting in your driveway that you just purchased for more than a year's salary and it's it's just so crazy to me that Simon makes this argument that Tesla is always going to be miles ahead of these legacy automakers when they're building cars at the same quality level of GM 30 or 40 years ago. It's not to say that every Tesla is a rolling pile of shit. You know, it, it, not, not every car can be uh, a Pontiac Paracene here. But if you're spending over $50,000 on a car, I think it would be safe to assume that the overhead glass panel roof won't unseal and release itself on the 405 just outside of Los Angeles. That seems like something you might want to not have happen. Uh, it seems like, you know, you'd want to spend $50,000 on a car that has door handles that consistently work and you don't have to wait three months to get them fixed, only to find out they're not actually fixed and then have to spend another couple of weeks getting them fixed again. Um, it's... It's just very weird. And like I said when I tweeted out this article the other day, you know, the clock's ticking for Tesla. And I think they're definitely feeling it. And, you know, this announcement about all the range upgrades and stuff like that, you know, it's truly exciting that we live in a time where technology has progressed to the point where, you know, you don't necessarily have to change the hardware at every single step of the way to have a better vehicle. You can instead issue an over-the-air update and get some kind of improved performance. And in this case, it's greater range. Uh, with all of the cars currently available from Tesla. That's great. You know, Tesla has had a great opportunity in the past decade to spend a lot of time, money, development, energy, whatever you want to call it, focusing in on, you know, batteries and getting the best battery that they can get, getting the best and most efficient motor that they could develop, and continuing to hire and train and develop uh, people who work on the software, who have class-leading engine control, or sorry, motor and battery control management software uh, that goes above and beyond really what's in any other car. I don't think anybody is going to deny that. Where things begin to get foggy is, you know, like I said, it's the quality. It's the, it's the actual construction of the vehicle. And I feel like with the legacy automakers, 
it is the flip of that because GM, Toyota, Chrysler, name any car company, they know how to screw together a car. They've been doing it for over 100 years. Some car companies may have played the last 40, you know, catching up to current standards. Uh, but the truth of the matter is there's not too many cars these days that are just going to fall apart on you sitting in your driveway. I mean, it does happen. Bad things occur. But the probability of that happening with, say, a Toyota Camry, uh, a Honda Civic, uh, you know, uh, a, a new Chevy Tahoe, uh, it's pretty small. GM, Ford, Toyota, Honda, they all know what they're doing. And they make money doing what they do, building good quality cars that people are going to spend large sums of money on and hopefully purchase a new one in the next three years after that. And with Tesla's, you know, they want you to spend money on this and can, you know, trade up the ladder and continue to grow with the company. And you can feel happy about the fact that you spent $35,000 or $60,000 or whatever many thousands of dollars on a car that's going to be good a lot longer than what you think because of the software updates. That's great. Um, and GM, you know, Toyota, Honda, Ford, whoever, they're playing catch up on the battery technology, on the software development, on the motor efficiencies. And that's not to say that they're that far off. Uh, Simon talks about the Audi e-tron in his thing and how, you know, this is a vehicle that's give or take the same size as a Tesla Model X, has a similar size battery, but has not quite half the range, but, you know, significantly less range than the Tesla. And, you know, credit where credit is due. Tesla nailed it the first time with the Model X, but they also had years of development already underneath them with the Model S. And when you're basically just building an SUV Model S, you know, things are going to progress at a pretty decent rate. Versus Audi, who, you know, was doing stuff completely off the shelf from the beginning. They had to develop their own battery. They had to develop their own motor. They had to develop their own uh, battery and motor control system, in addition to integrating other parts of Audi uh, into the interior that carry over from the A7 and the S8 and whatever other vehicle you can choose from. And to make everything work together, you know, it is a pretty big feat in of itself. And that's really kind of stepping away from the point that, you know, Tesla got what they wanted. They have forced a change in the automobile industry and every brand, whether they like it or not, is being dragged, kicking and screaming into the electric vehicle future. But Tesla also kind of made a deal with the devil here where they got to be so far ahead of everyone for the last decade or so that just around the time that they hit a peak, serious competitors have started to emerge. And Elon has already talked about how uh, he's worried about the ID cars in Europe. The ID3 is very affordable, and Tesla is going to have to make a block move with a cheaper and more affordable Tesla at around $25,000. Uh, they will probably be releasing something around that same price point here in the United States because they're going to start seeing pressure from Hyundai and Kia with the Ionic sub-brand. Uh, they're going to see pressure from GM as they continue to proliferate their uh, Ultium technology, not only within their own brands, but over at Honda as well. 
there's going to be a lot of pressure on Tesla to move down market. And that is where I think the margins begin to get very small and start to really put a lot of pressure on Tesla as a company because they don't have that manufacturing knowledge. They don't have that manufacturing base that GM and Ford and so many others have because GM and Ford and BMW and Honda and whoever else, like I said, they know how to build stuff. They've been doing it for well over 100 years in many cases. They're going to develop a platform that's not only going to work for this little itty-bitty car that's going to grab as many sales as possible. It's also going to work for a crossover. It's also going to work for a pickup truck. It's also going to work for whatever. And they're going to know how to get those parts and technologies at a good price, made on volume. They're going to try to spread this car part out with other car companies to continue to increase that volume to lower that price, share their learn, learned stuff about you know software technology development uh it's it's really gonna spool up in a way in the next couple of years that really puts tesla's dominance at significant risk you know simon says that he thinks you know tesla's still a decade ahead of everybody else and i just look at something like the volkswagen id4 and i go maybe question mark with a giant question mark i mean yes you know volkswagen has admitted that they had pretty big software issues with the car i i I think we can give them a free pass on their first major electric vehicle and go yes okay great but it's still coming to market it's still coming to market at the right price you're going to be able to service it at any vw dealership in the united states and you're going to be able to charge on the electrify america charging network that's not nothing to ignore as a tesla fan that is a major shot across the bow at you in tesla in california the volkswagen's coming at you not only from germany where they're going to first start building these things but later when they start coming online in chattanooga tennessee when the price drops even further they're shooting right at the model y and tesla knows that that is a dangerous prospect Volkswagen, I think, has a technical lead in terms of a platform. I don't know if they necessarily have a technical lead in terms of battery and uh, engine control or motor control software. I think they still have a lot to approve there. But Volkswagen's got a lot riding this. They're basically transforming their entire product line up to electric cars within the next decade or so. I think the last of the gasoline engines that they said that they were going to be developing were going to be debuting in the MK8 Golf, which is out now in Europe. Uh, There's not much life left in the gas tank there. Uh, GM has said that they are all in on Ultium. They got Honda on board. We'll ignore the Nikola stuff. Uh, But GM, I think, of all the legacy automakers at least based on what they've been talking about, probably has the most interesting and best case against Tesla in terms of energy density in their batteries, charging speed that they said that these things are going to go up to, which I think is 400 or 800 watts. Um, They are kilowatts? Kilowatts. Sorry, I'm getting the numbers mixed up as I think this out as I talk. Uh, You know, GM is saying that they've got a wide variety of motors to stick front and rear uh 
GM really seems to be swinging for the fences, and we'll see a lot more tomorrow with the Hummer reveal, which I'm sure we'll do an episode about. Uh, but GM kind of has been the silent threat in electric cars for a long time. After all, they did the EV1 many, many years ago. Uh, they had the Volt, which I own. Uh, they, there's the Bolt, which I think is silently, quietly, one of the best electric cars you can buy, hands down, no question. Uh, this new Hummer thing, I think, is going to be pretty damn cool. I don't really care for the fact that GM's going premium first. They need to continue to focus on, uh, you know, wide adoption vehicles. But I really think that because they got Honda to sign on, they've get, they have something going on that we don't quite understand yet. Because Honda isn't a very progressive company. They are very careful about what they do. And for them to jump in bed with GM has to signify that they're onto something. Toyota is another one that I think secretly is really going to be a big game changer when they go all EV. Again, just like Honda, very conservative when it comes to developing new platforms, new engines, new technologies, things like that. You know, Toyota has basically built the same Corolla for the better part of two decades that only just got replaced last year. Uh, the Camry itself largely can be traced back a better part of a decade in terms of uh, a lot of different mechanical bits inside. Yeah, it is on a new architecture, but, you know, Toyota doesn't really change things too much because they know they work and they want them to work and they want to get them at a good price and make them the right way. And so they spend the money early on get the part to be satisfactory, and then they use it for as long as they can. And so Toyota has said that they have, they've got a solid-state battery technology that's going to be able to charge faster, uh, have less degradation, uh, be more uh, temperature-resistant, uh, and in the end might end up being becoming the standard battery technology going forward. So Toyota might end up leaping Tesla in the not-too-distant future when it comes to batteries. And, you know, the big advantage that Toyota has is not only its manufacturing capacity, which is astronomical compared to Tesla, it's also got cash in reserve. Toyota is, of course, one of the, I think it's, what, third largest automobile company in the world? Uh, maybe it's first. I get it confused on which one is which these days. It's like GM... GM, Toyota, and Volkswagen, I think, are the three biggest in terms of sales, if I remember correctly. Uh, and whatever order goes where, you know, somewhere in there. But uh, Toyota, you know, when they come out with an electric car, they're gonna sights on everyone. And it's gonna change the way that we think about electric cars. Because here's the other thing. Toyota's not gonna build a $70,000 luxury sedan they're going to build that 40-ish thousand dollar family car that's going to have the widest market appeal and they're going to sell them and they're going to make their money back because they're Toyota and that's what they do. They were proven right with the Prius. They're going to be proven right again with this car, I think. And then lastly, you know, just even sticking to the outsiders here, Tesla, you know, talks about their lead, talks about all these things that they're doing really well. Well, they also kind of laid the groundwork for everybody else. So you've got Lucid coming seemingly out of nowhere. They were 
radio silence for the last couple years. They got that big cash investment from the Saudi Arabian government. They've got a car now, similar sized battery. Car weighs a little bit less than the Tesla. They're really focused on the idea of efficiency in every choice that they make as a company. And they added an extra 100 miles of electric range to their mid-high trim car compared to Tesla. Yeah, Tesla can tout a 400-ish mile range for the Model S. Well, Lucid's saying well over 500 with their car, according to their EPA test. And that is not nothing. Because when you start getting north of 400 miles, whether you're Tesla or anybody else, that's starting to rival regular gasoline cars. That's starting to rival what the human body can really do out on the road, what it should be doing out on the road. And I think Lucid, assuming that they price their cars right at every level, that they don't have the quality issues that Tesla has, that they're able to do the dealer network the way that Tesla hasn't been able to do, that they have the service centers that Tesla hasn't had, Lucid could stand a pretty good chance at eating Tesla's lunch. We'll see what the Lucid Air does when it finally comes out next year, late this year, early next year. I'm really excited to see one in person. But I think, you know, they're the ones to worry about if I was Tesla. I agree with, you know, Simon just a bit. It's going to take a little while longer for the big car companies to get it right. But the thing is, when the big car companies get it right, they're not going to take any prisoners. They don't care about Tesla sticking with them. They're going to keep blowing past them because they got the manufacturing stuff down. They'll pay enough people to get the technology stuff down. And when it's all over, Tesla, I'm sure, will be around for a very, very long time. And they will continue to be celebrated as the company that really turned a lot of people onto the idea of electric propulsion uh, and, you know, forced a gigantic market change going forward but tesla being the dominant player in a decade's time i do not find likely in any way shape or form well anyway guys that was a little bit of a long-winded discussion on one article written by some dude on a tesla fan site um yeah that's a thing it's been a slow news couple of days and weeks so we had to make something work out uh, you know, this is the part in the show where I usually try to say the words that I'm going to promise to do these more often. Um, I'm kind of cooking a little redevelopment of this project in the back of my mind, and I'm going to float it by a couple of people and see what they think. So, uh, stay tuned for some updates on that. Uh, like I said, the Hummer EV announcement is tomorrow. Uh, that is the Hummer by GMC pickup truck thing. Uh, that is going to be fully unveiled tomorrow during the World Series. Really excited to see uh, what that ends up being because, you know, it's GM's first foray into the big EV truck race. Ford's got their EV F-150 coming. Obviously, Tesla has the Cybertruck, yada, 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 yada. There's a lot of competition in this segment coming in the next year or so. And uh, as the first foray into this battle, uh, it's going to be pretty cool to see what's going on. Uh, so I'm sure we will talk about that uh, sometime tomorrow night. Uh, as far as other news on the horizon, I can't think of much else that's really going on right now. Uh, there's, 
it's that kind of fall doldrums as we get to slide into the holiday season. Uh, so anyway, guys, I hope you're being safe. I hope you're wearing your mask. I hope you're washing your hands. And I hope you're driving safe. And uh, assuming you do all of that and you make it till tomorrow, uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. 